really great, really focusing upon Christ. And, and I want to focus upon Christ in this message as well. Christ looking for more, the subtitle of this message today. So let's just pray um, together. Father, I just want to pray that you will help us as we open your word today and that you will um, just speak um, uh, life to everyone here, God, we ask of you. Thank you for this opportunity to sit under your word, Father. Thank you for this opportunity to hear what you have to say from, from the scriptures. We pray, God, that we might be able to not only hear it on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week, Lord, we might be proactive in picking up this book and turning its pages, Lord. Help us to do so, that we might be um, strengthened, Lord, and fully, fully prepared for what lies ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We can get so um, distracted, can't we? Um, coming to church. There's so much to do when you come to church on a Sunday morning. Someone has to open the front doors to let you guys in, you know, and then you've got to organize the Sunday school, organize the music, you know, make sure the preacher's turned up. You know, there's so much to do on a Sunday morning. And sometimes we can forget what the main thing is in church because we're doing so many things in order to get here in the first place. When I turn to um, this passage this morning, um, I can't go, I wanted to finish the whole thing, but it's too much here for me to finish it all in one section. So I'm going to be speaking on this part for two weeks, hopefully, by God's grace. And really, you know, the thing that I want to see here today is what was, what is the main thing, or who can we see from this passage, the main, the main, the main person? We all know it's Christ, but how is it Christ? So um, the first thing that I really want to point out to you is this journey, taking the journey. Because Jesus, we read in Matthew's Gospel, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Jesus took with him three of his disciples on a journey. He took them on a journey and um, that journey was a very steep, rocky mountainside. A journey that we read from Matthew was on a high mountain. It must have taken hours to reach the desired spot. But Jesus took these three men. And I asked myself, why? Why did he, he take them? I mean, if he's going to pray, he's going to pray with them in any place, anywhere. He could have prayed with them, but he took them up this high mountain. Why? Well, the answer is he wanted to get them alone. He wanted to be alone with them. And so he takes them up this mountain. And he gets them up there. It can't be easy. It couldn't have been an easy walk. It wasn't a walk in a park. It was a difficult climb. And we know that it was a difficult climb because when they got to the desired spot, we, we read that... Um, that's not the right verse that I want at the moment. Let me come back to that. When we got to the desired spot, we read that they were sleepy. Uh, let me see, verse 32. Peter and his companion was very sleepy. You know, they got there, they were exhausted. I remember um, me and Kim took our young children on a walk. It was on holiday, I don't know where we were, we were somewhere in England, and we went on this walk, it was called a camel trail. 
If I knew how long the walk was, I would have hired a camel to take me down this trail. It was a long, long walk. And as we were walking down this trail happily, the children were happy, we were happy. Suddenly, you know, a few miles down the, 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 the trail, you know, we were hearing reports like, you know, when are we coming back? And carry me, carry me, carry me. And before you know it, I was asking Kim to carry me. You know, it was exhausting just walking down there. And when we got to a middle, we realized we had another three miles to go. It was hard. So we didn't walk back, we got a bus. And these men must have been climbing up this mountain and they must have been exhausted and tired. But Jesus wanted to take them to a place. He wanted to show them something they did not know. He wanted to take them further than what they ever been with him. He wanted to take them deeper than what they ever been with him. And so he said, come with me, you three guys. I'm going to take you up this mountain. It's going to be tiring. It's going to be hard going. You might want to turn back. You might want to go to sleep. But I want to take you somewhere that I'm going to show you something that you just don't know. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus... I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus will say to you, come with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. Some of you may say, fantastic, going on a journey with Jesus Christ must be wonderful. And he is wonderful. But he will say, come with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. Come with me. I want to get you alone. I want to take you away from the, the crowd, away from the church, away from the, the worship service. I want you to come with me and I want to take you because I want to show you something. And sometimes it may not get comfortable. Sometimes it may not be easy. Sometimes it might bring tears. Other times it might bring joy. But I'm going to take you somewhere because I want to show you something you do not know. I like what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says something like this in Jeremiah 33. 3. Well, the Lord says it through Jeremiah. Call to me, says the Lord, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know, I, I, I like this um, verse, Jeremiah Three, three, three. You know, if you're in trouble and you want the emergency services, what number do you call? Don't say Ghostbusters. Um, if you're in trouble, what number do you call? Nine, nine, nine. You call, you're in trouble. But Jesus said, you know, I've got another number for you. Three, three, three. Jeremiah thirty-three, three. If you want to call on anybody? Call on me, says the Lord. Never mind calling on man. You know, man can help you to get your, your, you know, your, your house put out as a file. Or man can help you to sort out a burglary. That's fine. But if you want some help in your life to get through, the Lord says, call on me. And I will hear that promise. I won't ignore you. I won't put you to one side. I won't put you on hold. I won't pat 
fax you through to a secretary. No, I will answer you, says the Lord. But the wonderful thing he says after that, he says, call on me. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. You know, we always say to our children, Kim and I, you know, never stop asking questions. We tell them that. Never stop asking questions. If you don't know, Google it. That's what we say to them now. Back in our day, we had no Google. We had to go through the dictionary. But um, if you don't know, Google it. Never stop asking questions. Everything must be brought under a microscope. I hope you realize that even what I'm saying this morning, you need to study the scriptures for yourself and find out if I'm saying it's true. Everything must be brought under a microscope. Question everything. The problem is that we have Christians today, sadly, who are intellectually lazy. Let's be honest, intellectually, we're so lazy, we don't really want to apply our mind. But God says to you today, call on me, seek me out, and I will answer you, and I will show you things that you do not know. Not just anything, but he says, unsearchable, great things that you do not know. What an invitation. Why sit there saying, oh, you know what, Lord, let's go past it, you know, from day to day, it's normal life, it's God. No, what an invitation to call upon God, the Lord, show me more. Reveal to me more. What an invitation. The Lord says, call upon me. And he takes these three men up a high mountain because he wants to show them something they do not know. Sometimes he will take you to high mountains of praise. You'll be up in the mountain of praise and you'll be there worshipping God and you'll be experiencing and seeing things that you didn't know. Wonderful opportunities to be there. Some of us have been on mountaintops praising God. Sometimes he takes you into valleys. As the psalmist says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. That rod and the staff that I would not really know about. I know about it now because I'm down in the valley and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Both places, the mountaintop and the valley, is for one reason only. And that is for him to show you something that you do not yet know. Amen. Should we be praying, Lord, take me to the mountaintop? Yes. Take me to the mountaintop. She would say, Lord, if it's a valley experience, then be with me in a valley. I'm not fearful. I don't want to go into valleys, Lord. I always want to be on a mountaintop. But the Lord says, sometimes I have to take you to the valley. But do not fear. Because when you're in the valley, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you myself. So these men went on a journey. And I know the Lord, whether you like it or not, the Lord's going to take you on a journey. You might be one of the reluctant ones, reluctant to go. But if you know Christ, he will take you on a journey. Well, the second thing that I want to say about this journey, seeing the reality. So what was it that Jesus wanted them to know? What was the reason? Was the track up this mountain, was it worth it? 
What was the whole point of it? Well, we have in Luke's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, Luke says something happened on that mountain. Look what happened according to Luke. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Matthew puts it like this. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. Something happened on that mountain. Now, some people try to say that maybe the, the sun was shining and, and Jesus was just was reflecting the light of the sun in the sky. No, that's not what happened. Some people might turn around and say, well, in the Old Testament, Moses, when he was praying with God, he came down the mountain and because he was with God, God's reflection was on his face and his face shone. Maybe that happened. No, that didn't happen either. I want you to hear me very carefully what took place on that mountain. Something more wonderful was taking place on that mountain. Listen to me. What was happening as Jesus was on that mountain? Something inside him was coming out. I want you to hear me. Something that was hidden in Christ Right from when he was born, right from the incarnation, right from his birth, something was hidden in Christ that was now coming out, was now being displayed. Something that had never been shown or seen before was now being made known. Something that resided in Christ, something that lived in Christ was now being displayed. What was it? I'll tell you what it was. It was God himself flesh couldn't hold it back come on flesh couldn't keep it down it was kept down long enough but Jesus went up in that mountain and his flesh could not contain the glory that was inside of him and so out from his body we read that his face shone like the sun. What a sight. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as lightning. Oh my goodness. No wonder the sleepy disciples became awake. It's not the first time, you know, we, we see that Daniel had something to say about this. Because Daniel had a vision, you know. And Daniel says that he saw this. His body, speaking about the man that he sees, he said his body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And that his voice, his voice, like the sound of a multitude. That's in the Old Testament. That's in Daniel's day. And now these men are on the mountain. And on the mountain they're seeing the same figure that Daniel sees. This Jesus of Nazareth now seems to be transfigured and changed. That's all. Because who else was on that mountain? We know that James was on that mountain. We know Peter was on that mountain. But John was on that mountain too. 
And when John was in the island of Patmos after Jesus died, after he resurrected, and now John was in the island of Patmos, exiled over there, he turns around and he sees somebody standing. Who does he see? He sees Christ. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like that sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth with a sharp double-edged sword, his face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. That was what Jesus was like on that mountain. He went up on that mountain as Jesus of Nazareth James, Peter, John, come with me. I've got something to show you. What is it, Lord? Can't you show us now? No? Come with me. Lord, are you going to pray? Yes, I'm going to pray. But can't we pray here, Jesus? No. Come with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. But Lord, do we have to go all the way up this mountain? Yes, you do. But why? Because I'm going to show you something that you don't know about me. I'm going to reveal something to you that you have no idea about me. And when you see my chain, you will know you're not dealing with a man, just an ordinary man. You're dealing with one who the living God resides and dwells within. You know, some of you here, and I'm included in this, some of you here, you think that you know Christ but you don't know Christ. You think you do, but you don't. You think you know his power. And I think I know his power, but you don't know his power. You think that you know he, he answers prayer and that he comforts in times of pain. Yes, he may do so. You may know a glimpse of that, but I want to tell you, you don't really know what sort of prayers he's willing to answer. You don't know him really. You think you know him. You know something about him. But he says to you today, I want, to learn, I want you to know more about me. Call upon me. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you things you do not know. They're unsearchable things. They're great things call upon me and when you call upon me I will begin to show you who I really am. So many people think Jesus is just a, a part time saviour. He can just help me on a Sunday and he can help me on other days when I need him but he's a part time man and that's all I need him for um, his services when I'm in trouble. Some of us walk through our Christian life just like that. But he said no, you don't know me. I am the one that when I was transfigured on that mountain, my face shone in all its brilliance. Jesus wants to take you on this journey. Hallelujah. He wants you to know who he is. That's why we come on a Sunday morning. We come and we worship, we praise and we sing some lovely songs. But I want to tell you, we need to understand and we need to pray, Lord, who is this Jesus? Who is he? 
and understand more about him. Because the more we understand about him, the more you know him, the more we will love him. The more we will love him, the more we appreciate him, the more we give him the praise that's due to his name. Well, I need to finish my message here. I haven't really got through more than just a couple of verses. But let me just finish this message by, um, by this title, Finishing the Mission. Now, we have two men appearing with Jesus from the Old Testament. Here are these two men. Let's just read who they are. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. These two men, two figures from the Old Testament. We know Moses very well, don't we? Moses was the one who delivered the people from Egypt. But also he was the one who gave the law. He gave the Ten Commandments and other laws as well. So we know Moses. And Moses was there as one who represents the law and the deliverer of the people of Israel. Another man was there, Elijah. Elijah was a wonderful prophet. Some of us don't know Elijah very well, but he was a wonderful prophet. The amazing thing about both these two men, funnily enough, both their bodies were not found after they died. Well, not even died really, but both their bodies wasn't found. Moses, when he died, was on the mountain. And they said, let's go and find him. And Joshua said, no, don't bother, just, just don't look for them. And they went and they looked for Moses, but they couldn't find him. God closed Moses' eyes and his body was never found. Elijah, on the other hand, he was taken up into glory on a chariot of fire. Wonderful story. I wish I could speak to you more about that. But both men were involved in starting a work in the Old Testament. They started a work. And now they were speaking to someone on the mountain who was going to finish the work. And so they started the work back in the Old Testament. And we read that they were talking to Jesus about something. What were they speaking to Jesus about? You know, you wish you could be a fly on the wall and hear the conversation between Elijah and Moses and Jesus. And the Bible tells us what they were talking about. Here it is. It says that they were appeared in glory and spoke about of his death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They were speaking about what Jesus was going to do in Jerusalem. What was he going to do in Jerusalem? He was going to die. But the death was more than just the fact that he was going to die. His death was going to be something that destroys the work of Satan. That's what the Bible says. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's the reason why he came. And as Elijah and Moses were speaking to him, and as they were talking to him, they were speaking about the day where he will go to Jerusalem and the devil's work will be finished and, and ended and, 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 and destroyed completely so that over the corridors of time, the words of Jesus on the cross will cry out, It is finished. 
The word of Moses started back in the Old Testament when he delivered the people out of Egypt and gave them a law. The word that Elijah was involved in when he was a prophet to God's people. When Jesus Christ came, the one who is greater than Moses, the one who is greater than Elijah, he came to finish the work completely. I was read the news this week and it was wonderful to hear that over in Nigeria, 200 women were set free from the terrorist organization, the Boko Haram, who kidnapped 200 women and children. The army came across them after fighting with the terrorist organization and came across 200 women and set them all free. How wonderful is that? When I read that, I was rejoicing. It wasn't the original 200 girls that was stolen. We still don't know what happened to them. But the 200 women that was stolen by this terrorist group was finally set free. That is a work that Jesus Christ has come to do. Not just liberate men and women physically, but set them free from the bondage of sin. That's what he came to do. Set them free from the power of Satan. Every chain to be broken. Every prison door to be open, So that men and women can go free. That's the reason why he came. So that you may not stay in a sin-locked world. But chains will be released from you and you will be able to walk and be set free. That's why Jesus Christ has come. Wouldn't it be sad if when the army came in Nigeria across these women, wouldn't it be sad if the women said, um, we want to stay here, thank you very much. Wouldn't it be terrible? You would say to them, but you got torn away from your children. You got torn away from your homes. You got torn away from your husbands. And now you're held as slaves by this terrorist group. Don't you want to be set free? Wouldn't it be strange for them to say, no, we don't. We want to stay here. The whole world will be appalled. I want to tell you something even more amazing. The whole of heaven is appalled. When they realize that so many men hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, I want to stay where I am. The whole of heaven stands in shock and horror. The angels stand in complete bewilderment and amazement when men who hear the gospel turn around and say, you know what? I love my sin more than I love my soul. And I will stay where I am. Thank you very much. But the Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Hallelujah. One sinner that repents turns away from the old way of life and turns to Christ. Holy heaven rejoices because that's the reason why Christ came. And he stands and he says to you this morning, I'm going to take you on a journey. It's going to be a good journey. There's going to be highs and lows. But on that journey, you're going to find out who I am and why I came. And I'm going to reveal more of my glory, more of my splendor, more of my majesty to you.
Don't be lazy Christians. Don't be intellectually lazy. Do what the Lord says in Jeremiah. Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Call upon him. Draw near to him. And see his glory for yourself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, because we're so lazy. We often want the easy road and the easy route. We just want to get by on a win and a prayer. But Lord, forgive us, Lord. For we heard today that we want to and we need to call upon you. Because there's more of Jesus than what we are able to even understand and we want to know more of him the hymn writer writes more more about Jesus more more about Jesus and Lord God almighty we need to know more about him oh father I pray that you will so ignite this message that even though it might be a message based on theology Lord it will excite our hearts oh God and burn a passion in us that we will leave this place saying, Lord, I'm calling upon you. Oh, hear us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Praise God. That's the work that he's going to do, even in this play. Let's sing amazing words.